Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the Indiana State House, 5735 vote, saying that employers cannot force employees to get vaccinated. And it has taken me a while to stare at this position, to look at this position and say, unfortunately, that's the right decision. And I say, unfortunately, because I am somebody who clearly, clearly, clearly opposes the idea that government should be involved in, well, any decision of private business. I absolutely vehemently oppose the idea that government should get involved in our lives. Article 1, Section 8 on the federal level, and then leave me be. I don't want government to do any of this stuff. The problem is that what happens when you need your elected representation to protect you from those who wish to do you harm? I don't actually believe that employers who want vaccine mandates want to do their employees harm. I believe they simply do not respect the idea that they might be. They do not appreciate the concept that they might be doing harm. Nor have they asked themselves whether or not their point of view, forced uh, vaccination mandates for employment, is an overreach. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And the book, perfect for Valentine's Day, Let's Go Bourbon, available at Amazon.com. Check it out for yourself. Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed at Amazon.com. The employer is making a mistake when it comes to the forced vaccination. And the mistake being made is that they believe... Well, in some cases, they believe they're doing what's, what's good for uh, the employee and their family. I should be clear that my contract with my employer is about a service I provide the employer and what I get paid to provide that service. Nowhere in my contract does it say, and my employer will care about my family. As a matter of fact... I would rather that my employer didn't care about my family at all. I would rather that my employer didn't think about my family at all. I would rather that my employer focused on what it is I do for the employer, sees the value in what I provide, and is committed to paying me even more for what I do because there's even more that they can make off of it which of course is part of the deal. No one's going to employ you if they can't profit off of you. These people who think that somehow that's the problem, they, they don't understand anything about life. The world would stop functioning if, if they were in charge. The only reason the employer, the employer pays me X is because they can make X plus a dollar from my efforts. That's it. I accept, The terms of your deal are acceptable by me. I absolutely accept that. Nowhere in this are we discussing my family. If an employer says to me, I just want what's best for you and your family, 
That is saying that I don't want what's best for me and my family, and that's worthy of a fight. And employers should be very, very wary of being that insulting and that rude and that crude and that despicable. They should be very, very wary. If you say to me, I just care about the health of your children, those are fighting words as far as I'm concerned. I consider that to be incredibly hateful. I consider that to be an insult and one that will be met in kind. But an employer might say, this is what's best for our business. Okay, that is a commentary I can appreciate. You have to do what's best for your business, and I have to do what's best for me. The problem is what you are asking of me goes well past the business itself. If OSHA, the Occupational Safety Health Administration, via the Department of Labor, says you need to wear a hard hat on the job site, okay, Even if I disagree with wearing a hard hat on the job site, this is what has been required. This is what they think is good safety for the employee in the employee of the employer. And so therefore they have to take care of their job site. It doesn't affect my children. And when the job is done that day, pluck, I take the hat right off. That's how I pluck. It just plucks right off. Pluck right when you take the hat off. I really got to work on my my, uh, sound effects. Michael Winslow, I am not. But I get to take the hard hat off. If I have to wear a suit, a biohazard suit for my job, okay. But when the job is done, I take off the biohazard suit. That's what I do. That's how it goes. If I take the vaccine... Because my employer demands it. Well, then I can't take it off. I can't take it off. I can't do anything about it. There's nothing else that can happen. I am stuck with it for forever. Now, the question before us is, Should the employer have the right to leave me with something forever, even if I leave their employ? And the answer is no. They absolutely, positively don't have that right. I would think that after a while they would understand this. I went through a series of of conversations with myself till I was presented with this argument and said, that's, the best, that's it, that's it, that's better than what I have. That's how the rational mind should work, right? It's not that you have the best idea, it's that the best idea is the, is the best idea. That's what's key, that's what's imperative. The best idea is the best idea. Not your idea. And the best idea is to not force vaccinations upon people. And therefore, since businesses are not listening to this, the people have the right to petition their their representatives for help. That's what they've done. Now, will this pass the Senate? The hell if I know. 
I have absolutely no idea whether or not this will get through the Senate. It should. Will Governor Eric Holcomb sign this? I don't know. I, of course, have have lost much faith in the governor. The governor has not shown himself to be somebody who sides with the people. He has not shown himself as someone who sides uh, with, with Hoosiers. He stays silent on a series of issues, specifically social issues, talking about education. He calls them social issues. Oh, my gosh, it's just culture war stuff, as the Democratic Party would say. But it's not. It's about parents who want to be able to protect their children and want to advocate for their children and question what's happening in schools and in other places. A governor who will not speak to that, that it is absolutely acceptable. As a matter of fact, it is important and is a Hoosier ideal for parents to be involved in their kids' education. A governor who doesn't say that, I don't quite understand. I don't I don't get their point of view. I don't get their silence. If the people if we think it's okay for the state to force vaccination, I don't get that either. And if this goes to the governor's desk and he were to veto it, what's his argument? Well, I'm protecting small business against encroaching government. Even though the small businesses are using the same government encroachment tool that the Supreme Court knocked down. The idea of force is something that we should be opposed to. And the problem in this argument is that you can see this as a way that the government is using force against these businesses. I understand the argument, but it is discounting the force that is being now utilized against the citizen that indeed ranks higher. It's not we the businesses in order to form a perfect union, more perfect union, it's we the people. They have to come first. So I can, I can visualize all of the talking points of the Holcomb administration in vetoing something like this. Uh, that, that said, I don't know what he's going to do. But there is no doubt that Governor Eric Holcomb is soft. That, um, that he has a lack of willingness to speak out on serious issues that he has a lack of willingness to speak out on parental issues, that he has a lack of willingness to stand with Hoosier parents, that he has a lack of willingness to stand with employees. He just doesn't have the will. He doesn't have the want. He doesn't have the desire, very possibly because politically there are no ramifications. The only ramification I can think of is ensuring that he doesn't win a race for Senate because the rumor mill has it. And as you know, in many of these instances, there is a a rumor mill that's working itself overtime. And the rumor mill has it that he's going to run for Senate. Just like Senator Mike Braun's going to run for governor. 
well, he hasn't made a decision. He's going to see what's going on and what he's going to do with the Senate. He's going to figure that out in the next eight or nine months. He's running for governor. And Eric Holcomb thinks he's going to run for Senate. I'm not saying he's not going to run for Senate. I am saying that's a massive uphill climb. I hope there are 100 people who run against him. And he is forced to explain himself and his total disregard for Hoosier parents. Midwest Jeb is not what we need, everybody. Last thing we need. There are things he does that I like. And there are things that he does that I find unbelievably weak. On a personal level? Well, on a personal level, he told me what he thinks of me. It was a weird, weird conversation. It was off the record. I'm not going to dig into it. I am going to say it was something. I, I, was, I was left with a, 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 a very, very uh, real feeling. <laughs> and considering, you know, uh, try and get him for an interview. <laughs> The guy went to Israel. I supported the trip to Israel. I wanted to talk to him about the trip to Israel. No, 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 he's not available. He's not available. You can have the uh, GOP chairman, Kyle Hupfer. Kyle's a nice dude. I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk to Governor Eric Holcomb about going to Israel and uh, having a conversation with then uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and what took place and what transpired and what do you think. That's what I want to talk about. I need to hear what the Republican chairman has to think. He thinks whatever his talking points told him to think that day. I can't get Holcomb on a subject that I wrote about and I cheered him on for doing. I wrote about it. What was the piece? Governor Holcomb goes to Israel. It was like Mr. Smith. I think it was Mr. Holcomb goes to Israel. Like, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It was was like one of those kinds of headlines. I don't know. I absolutely positively don't know, man. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You can't get him to talk. can't get him to support parents. I find the whole thing embarrassing. And I think that's going to haunt him if he considers running for Senate. And it should. And I'll be one of the people bringing it up. What's he going to do about uh, mandates? I I don't know. I don't know. But I oppose the mandates. I don't oppose the vaccine. I oppose the mandates. Although the vaccine doesn't work against Omicron. And, of course, there's some new data about Omicron. Uh, I'm going to try my best to get into all of it. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Washington, D.C. But that's what we're talking about. And, 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 and you can't sugarcoat it. You can disguise it. You can say it's Jim Crow 2.0 and all that. But it is federalizing elections in this country and taking power directly away from the states. I lost my first Senate election back in 2002. I was ahead on Wednesday morning. Tuesday night went and came and went. On Wednesday morning, I was sitting in my living room in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, watching the television, and I watched my 3,300-vote lead become a 524-vote deficit like that. Because one precinct came in from one of the reservation counties in South Dakota, and they voted 94%, 93% against me. And I lost that election. And I had all these people, all these smart political minds around the country in South Dakota saying, you got to contest it. There are irregularities. You know there are irregularities. 
I thought about it, and we did a little bit of looking into it, but a day later I decided to say the election was over. I'd lost that first election. And you know what? That's what happens. That's Senator John Thune of South Dakota. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So debating on the floor of the of the Senate, they're debating the voting rights bill, which, of course, is about taking away the rights of the people to vote. And it's about federalizing elections, as the senator, Th- as Senator Thune said. What's interesting here is, as we've discussed, Chuck Schumer, who doesn't believe that rules should apply to him at all and in any way or to Democrats, has said, well, look, we're going to try and get this through one more time. And if we can't, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a talking filibuster. Now, when this came up, that uh, Chuck Schumer was going to move straight on and try and get this done again, I said, okay, here, let me me give you real quick, uh, if I could, let me give you my hot take on this subject. And here's my hot take on Chuck Schumer bringing this vote. This is to show their base how serious they are about this, this voting rights nonsense. This is to show how much they despise Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who also oppose uh, removing the filibuster. This is to show that they support fair elections, but evil Republicans don't when it's really about progressives wanting to take elections away from the states. This is all about show, and it doesn't move a single voter to their side. What they have to show their base is that they meant it and they were trying, but these disgusting people don't believe in fair elections. They're very good at the uh, manipulation, and part of the problem is no one ever told uh, them uh, in public to shut the blank up. No one ever interrupts Chuck Schumer during a television hit and tells him to kiss off. It would change if you just got tough. But they lie. And they're certainly lying about voting rights. So what Schumer has decided is, you know what we'll do? Maybe we can win over Manchin and Cinema by changing the filibuster rules. We keep the filibuster. But instead of a filibuster that keeps us from getting cloture, getting to the 60 votes so we can bring about a vote on an issue, we'll do a talking filibuster. Everybody have their chance to speak. And when it's done, well, the filibuster's over. And then we can vote if we can get 50 plus one. The, the tiebreak for the vice president, that's good enough. That's what Chuck Schumer is going to try. That's how desperate he is to control your vote, which is what he's trying to do. This is Tony Katz today. So normally, if I was going to talk about Disney movies or Marvel movies, I'd be talking with producer Ari because, well, that's that that that's his intellect right there. Don't get me wrong. I like the movies, too. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Uh, Sam, who's filling in for Ari, do you know anything about Marvel movies? Uh, enough. Okay. Have you ever heard of Moon Knight? Oh, no, not a word. Okay. So you're no help to me whatsoever. Thank uh, you. I apologize. That. A new movie coming out from Marvel Studios, Moon Knight. And it stars uh, the the guy who was in um, the Star Wars films, who's having himself a a pretty good career. Uh, Oscar Isaac is is uh, in is in the movie. He's um, 
he, he's, he's, I guess, I don't know, maybe he's Moon Knight. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it. Well, there's another guy in the movie by the name of Gaspard Dulille, who's a French film star. And he's in the movie. He's in the, he's in the movie. I think it's a movie. It's not, oh, no, it's a series. Moon Knight is a series, not a movie. I, I, I apologize. He got into a skiing accident. He's skiing in the Alps. Hits another skier. The other skier is fine. He uh, develops brain trauma from the accident, dies. It's an absolutely crazy story. He was skiing without a helmet. Do people ski with helmets? I mean, I don't ski. I don't don't ski. If If I skied, I would ski with a helmet. I've never been skiing. I have never been skiing. I would do it. I Oh, yeah. 150% I would do it. I can't, I can't wait to try it one day. I'm not too old. I can do it. Don't be ridiculous. Of course I'm fine to do it. But, man, that is that is awful. That's a crazy story. And then I don't even know what Moon Knight is. So now, well, I have to get Disney Plus. Is, is, is that it? Is this what we're saying? Just one more thing. I think it was, I think it was uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Who put out the line? They should just put all the uh, streaming services together and call it cable. It's a pretty good line. Oh, I hate his politics, but he makes me laugh. He does make me uh, make me laugh. Then you've got the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, saying that he doesn't feel safe riding New York City subways. Well, him and every other New Yorker who isn't, of course, high on meth. Day one, he says, when I took the train, meaning the first day he became uh, mayor on January 1st, I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning. Crimes right outside the platform. We know we have a job to do, and we're going to do both. We're going to drive down crime, we're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system. And they don't feel that way right now. I don't feel that way when I take the train. Correct. You know that there was a woman pushed in front of a train? Killed? Asian woman. Pushed by a black man. You didn't hear the story because the man who did the pushing wasn't white. Just so we all understand how it is our media engages conversations. If a white man had pushed an Asian woman, all you would have heard about is the anti-Asian hate going on in America. It's all you would hear about. But it was a black man, so you did not hear anything. Now, you can make any argument you want about what I'm saying, but you cannot deny the facts. You cannot deny the history that states if it was a white man, you would hear about it, but because it's not a white man, you don't hear about it. Eight people are dead in Waukesha because a black man took their vehicle drove it through a parade, and murdered eight people. That guy, by the way, Daryl Brooks, is facing 77 charges. Six counts of first-degree intentional homicide, six counts of hit-and-run resulting in death, two counts of felony bail jumping, two counts of misdemeanor battery, and 61 counts of first-degree recklessly endangering safety. You know how many people are talking about this story, reporting on this story? No one. No one's reporting on this story. 
No one's reporting on the story because it doesn't fit the narrative. If it was a white man who killed black people at a parade, it's all you would hear about. My point in sharing this is to share the offensiveness that happens here from media that refuses to honestly discuss stories and situations. They refuse to discuss it honestly and rationally, and that is simply unacceptable. It's like I was discussing earlier and getting into this conversation. You have a student that went to UCLA by the name of Brianna Kupfer, who worked at a, uh, a furniture store, high-end furniture store. She was interested in, in design. Well, she's dead. She was stabbed to death. A man walked into the furniture store, stabbed her right there, killed her, and left. Just walked right out. That man has been uh, discovered. He was released last year on a $1,000 bail in a misdemeanor case in Los Angeles, considered armed and dangerous. He was identified. He was arrested. He's black. Brianna Kupfer was white. And if it was the other way around, this would be called a clear hate crime. Now, you know me. I don't believe in hate crimes. Crimes are crimes. Murder is murder. But if these people in the media we cannot trust are going to use terms like hate crimes, okay, it's a hate crime. I have three stories here. Three stories here. And the thread between them all is that the media will not cover the stories. They drop them. They don't count because they don't fit narrative that to me is the most offensive part of course it's offensive of course it's disgusting of course it's just evil and wrong not to cover these things or to look at it the other way only cover stories because they have a certain uh, dynamic that you can make more hay out of to prove how good and decent you are These are three absolutely horrible stories. We're talking about 10 dead people at the hands of three. We should be disgusted as a society. But those who share the stories want to bring them to us politically. So let's note when they don't. So we know not to trust them on the politics. Which brings us to the weirdest moment I'm ever going to bring to you. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm siding with the Democrats. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Game over, man. It's game over. Oh my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay let me tell you the story don't yell at me i knew it would be a shock i'm still waiting for information information that has not come 
and it is possible that someone can give me information and make me change my mind. I am more than happy to do that. This is a story about Indiana House Bill 2002. Indiana House Bill 2002. Various tax matters. It was put forth by Representative Timothy Brown right here in Indiana. Repeals a provision that would require the budget agency to transfer the amount of combined excess reserves that exceeded $2.5 billion in the calendar year to the pre-1996 account of the Indiana State Teachers Retirement Fund. And it, it's boring as can be. This is one of those boring pieces of legislation. You ever see a boring piece of legislation? This is the boring piece of legislation. However, it has some amendments. And one of the amendments was put forward by a woman whose name I, 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 I wasn't familiar with. Right? I, I didn't know who, who she was. She is a representative from Indianapolis. Corey Hamilton. I don't know her in the slightest. But she added an amendment to this bill, to this nonsense kind of, uh, of, of bill. Carrie Hamilton. I said Corey. Carrie Hamilton. C-A-R-E-Y. I apologize. Carrie Hamilton is her name. Here's the legislation. I'm reading it. I'm reading it right here in, in front of me. You ready? Here we go. Page 18, between lines 11 and 12, begin a new paragraph and insert. Children's diapers means diapers marketed to be worn by children. And you're like, okay, what in the world is this? What in the world is this? This is a bill. And this bill would stop taxes and taxes on things like feminine hygiene products, on diapers for kids, for babies, on adult diapers. A Democrat in Indiana put forth legislation that would get rid of taxes and the Republican Party voted no. And I would like to know why. I want to know why they voted no. It sounds funny, right? You're telling me that the Democrats are worried about people paying taxes on diapers and tampons. Yeah, and so should every rational person. Less taxes is better. What are we doing? I've got Democrats introducing tax cuts and Republicans aren't jumping all over it? I was discussing this uh, and, and, and talking about this and I had created a, uh, a response. I, 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 I uh, created a response to this because I, I, I did it on the spot. When Democrats introduce a tax cut, you say yes. Right? It's like Ghostbusters. When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. When a Democrat says, let's have a tax cut, you say yes. And then you congratulate them publicly. 
This is what I wrote. This is how the Republican Party should have handled this. We are thrilled to see the Indiana Democrats finally embrace fiscal responsibility. We unanimously support this amendment, but this should only be a start. We look forward to working with our friends across the aisle to continue lowering taxes for all Hoosiers, as the Republican Party has been doing for Hoosiers for the last 20 years or for our entire existence. You cheer a tax cut. What are you saying no for? Not paying taxes on diapers is a smart idea. Do I care that it came from a Democrat? No, it is a solid conservative principle. Less taxes is better. Of course I want to make it easier on a family or or, or a mom or a dad to be able to get diapers for the kids. Of course I do. This is smart. So what I want is the reason, the explanation, the understanding of why the Republican Party said no. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Now remember, the Indiana Democratic Party is a despicable group of people. Maybe not Carrie Hamilton. I've never met Representative Carrie Hamilton. But in their leadership, in Mike Schmuel, who refers to state senators as Nazis, in the, in their uh, their 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 mouthpiece there, who's just a, a, a radical fool, a hateful, hateful shrew of a guy, to their other spokespeople, just dreadful. Never mind they play in a lot of bigotry, they play in a lot of identity politics, and it's all shameful stuff. You have heard me say a million times, when someone does something right, we should applaud it. We should applaud it when it happens. And that's exactly what's happening here. That's exactly what's going on here. I'm going to applaud a smart idea. Maybe there's something I don't understand in legalese. Maybe there's something I missed. And if so, I want to hear it. But I don't know if I did. I don't think I did. Why are Republicans voting no to a tax cut? Makes no damn sense. I'm Tony Katz. Okay, let me ask you about 2024. Do you believe that President Biden is up for the job? President Biden's running for re-election. I expect to support him. The- That's not an answer. That's not an answer, Senator Warren. I, I tell you, it's the best best audio of the day. This was CBS uh, morning show. Is Biden up for the job? Okay, let me ask you about 2024. Do you believe that President Biden is up for the job? President Biden's running for re-election. I expect to support him. His approval ratings are some of the lowest that they've been for a very long time. I I understand that, but remember, we've just finished the first quarter. We're just starting into the second quarter here. So we've got a lot of time, a lot of work in front of us. Yeah, she won't answer whether Biden's up for the job. And the best part about this, right, that's the one that people are talking about, like, all day. Oh, she won't say if Biden's up for the job. No, it's what happens next. Oh, but you only have probably less than a year yes. uh, before you lose both the Senate and the House. Ah, all the polls, uh, the polls are very, bite very, very tongue. bad, right? I mean, the, the Gallup had a poll recently that showed a preference nationally for Republicans at a five-point margin over I Democrats. Know. You started the year with the insurrection and a nine-point advantage. No, I know. In the fourth quarter, it was a five-point advantage. 
advantage to Republicans. So something's not right here. CBS just beat the living snot out of her. Oh, I almost felt bad for her having to, to endure that. All that honesty on national television so early in the morning. Who? 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 That is, that is rough. That is rough right there. <laughs> no, Biden's not up for the job. And we're going to find out when he does the press conference. He's doing a, a, a full-on press conference today. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Hammer and Nigel will, will, will have it all. Or part of it. Or some of it. I don't know. I don't know what they do. Or how they do it. It's supposed to start at 4 p.m. I'm fascinated. Can't wait to see what Joe Biden can't answer. And whether or not he screams at anybody. Because I got to assume he's screaming at some people. I wonder if there's a little bit of theater here where he's doing the press conference while the Senate Democrats want to push getting rid of the filibuster. How that's going to play out on voting rights. I wonder if that's a whole focus of this. Hmm. We'll find out. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care. All right, all right, all right. You've got that in there. That's 12 minutes and 46 seconds. Great. We're good, man. We are good. We are solid. Yes, sir.